0: The Evolving Leader is a series that shares insights into the never ending journey of leadership and entrepreneurship. Join us as Three Pillar CEO David DeWolf talks with peers who have been instrumental in his own leadership journey. Thanks for joining us for episode four of The Evolving Leader. We're excited to welcome Jennifer Stanford to the studio today to share her thoughts on what the evolution of a leader entails and why it requires being committed to ongoing introspection and improvement. We'll also discuss the ever-evolving role of business leaders and entrepreneurs and why, as their companies mature, their leadership capabilities must do so to match. Mm -hmm. Jennifer works with a range of corporate leaders and companies to manage organizational change and communicate more effectively. She strives to help leaders develop a deeper understanding of beneath-the-surface traits and motivators that they must first understand about themselves before they can successfully lead others. Jennifer, thanks very much for being with us today.
1: Thanks, thanks for having so me. So thrilled to
0: see you again. So great
1: to see you. Always fun when you can chat with friends about things that make you excited. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So, so let me start by asking, you get to work with a lot of executives at fast-growing companies, including David and Three Pillar over the years. Why is it so vital in this day and age that leaders develop an ability to continually improve and adapt?
1: Well, I think if... If this year, this I guess two years now, has told us anything, you know, we're not in control of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think as leaders, there's we should be hoping for change, right? We want change in our businesses. <clears throat> and especially for a global company like yours, David, and for a lot of companies nowadays, we have to be willing to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. We have to be, always the term I've kind of coined lately, is you have to be ready so you don't have to get ready. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not constantly looking to keep ourselves on that edge of what i would consider to be leadership greatness we're not going to be prepared for the things that are thrown at us we have different generations come in the workplace since we've started we have different cultures coming into the workplace we have different dynamics going on in the world and technology is continuing to change and so if we're not ready to Mm. make those adjustments and investing in ourselves, Mm. then we're not going to be able to guide our companies, our communities, our families, quite frankly, uh, to the places that they need to be. And so to me, there's still not a more important thing that leaders can do than take those investments to be their very best with their skill sets because they really are setting the example.
2: Yeah. It's so fascinating because when you say that, what comes to mind is when you and I first met. One of the biggest takeaways I took from our ability to work together early on was the importance of not only self-awareness but self-development and this concept of emotional intelligence and how much it plays into the leadership journey. I think way too many people think of leadership as charisma, um, as just personality. And um, there's a depth there behind it that you really taught me.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, and there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not this perfect map for what makes a leader. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you, you have to be willing, especially from emotional intelligence. You brought that up. Thank you. My favorite topic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the first level of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And y- you would think that as human beings, we're pretty self-aware. But believe it or not, when you dig in and you start coaching with leaders, people have this perception or this impression of how they're supposed to behave because mm-hmm. they're leading an organization. And they're not really willing to go deeper mm-hmm. and say, hey, what's really going on? you know, what are my triggers? How do I react? How could I react? And so I, I think people lose sight of how much control we have over the opportunity to make changes in our own behavior. Right. In our reactions and are the direction that we're taking people in, and so if we're not willing to go deep, how can we expect other people to make those changes and adapt? Right, right. and, and right. that's why it was very fun coaching you because you're like, let's dig in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> let's figure this out, you know, and, and you're not going to figure it out one time and then it's done. Right, right. That's what's so great, and that's why I think you know it's a relationship game. It's a relationship mm-hmm. with yourself. It's a relationship with others mm-hmm. because you have to keep being willing to see. Okay, how have I grown? How have I evolved? Right. And now what's the next thing, right? right? What's, what's you know, the next play for for Alan's words, right. right? So just thinking about what is that gonna look like for each of us.
2: And that, that foundation of self-awareness just gives you that building block to navigate that change, right? Because you're grounded in of yourself, you know who you are, and then you're able to react in a very authentic way, mm-hmm. right? I think that's one of the things, emotional intelligence uh, is not just about being that persona. Yeah. Right? It's about being your authentic self, showing up as your authentic self and knowing those strengths and weaknesses so that you can complement them with other people and different practices. Absolutely.
1: And I think people get, you know, where, where we get held up as humans is if we kind of think about emotional intelligence and the, the levels of maturity within it, right? Mm-hmm. The self-awareness is the first piece. The second piece is the self-management. Hmm. That's where we all get tripped up, right? We <laughs> want to get to group management right away. We want to manage our teams and we want to build these relationships. But we get in our own way. And so, you know, I know as an example, if, you know, something's late, I might start getting anxious because I promised a customer something, right? Right. I have to be able to check myself and understand what my trigger is that I'm getting anxious so that that doesn't show to the rest of a team that perhaps has been working really hard to get a product, right, ready, right? And have it ready, really ready in terms of this is 100% ready to go. Mm -hmm. And so when we just think about what our reactions are, if we're unwilling to keep checking in, You know, and we're willing to have those conversations with ourselves and you said perspectives, which I think is an important word. We have to make sure that our intentions match the perceptions of others. Mm. Right. You might be intending to be a fierce leader. Are you checking in to find out is that the perspective that other people have of you as an example? And so we have to match those up.
2: You know, it's, it's funny one of the big things I learned from really this development of self-awareness is is one of those perceptions I have. Probably one of my biggest weaknesses is that I'm an incredibly passionate person and my mind is always going. And so if you get me into in a debate and if we're working on something passionately that I care about, my IQ will go through the roof mm-hmm. and I will start to intellectually just grapple with things with you. But when my IQ goes up, my EQ goes down. And where I'm normally somebody that's very aware of those around me, in those intense debates that I'm passionate about, I can all of a sudden come across as scary or angry, because my EQ goes down. Sure. And I don't feel angry. I don't mean to look scary, yeah. right? But it's just that natural persona coming out. The breakthrough of starting to realize that and understand it and to be able to tell people that so they know what they're going through in that moment is part of that management and that evolution of a leader of, for me, it was so powerful to be able to say to people, oh, my gosh, I just caught myself. I'm on the whiteboard. I'm going crazy. I just want you to know I'm not angry. (laughs) I just love this. This is fun. I'm not mad. I'm just excited. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. You've seen it, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Well, you know, and I think that's, you know, you have a very logical mind. You see the big picture. You try to fit the pieces together, right? That's that's an amazing characteristic to have, right? Mm -hmm. But it's that awareness that you're saying, hey, I'm aware that I do this. But, you know, you said something else that I think is important is, as leaders, we want to make sure that our teams understand that so that they have enough emotional intelligence that they recognize it. I've been in your organization long enough. We could say, hey, Mr. Green, (laughs) tone it down a little bit, right, for that logical mind. And we immediately have a chuckle about it instead of it being... A negative thing because it's really not a negative you're just over amplifying your personality right. trait that's strongest because you're excited right right and so but you are right it could cause us to lose sight of mm-hmm. what's going on around me how am i being perceived right right and and can i make a quick pivot and i think again when you're really strong in emotional intelligence that's where you have that awareness mm-hmm. and you're able to see yourself in the moment and make a pivot because it's just too much for people to continue to say oh, I'm sorry, that's just how I am. Right. At some point we have to take ownership of that, mm. right? And we have to be accountable for our own actions and we wanna catch ourselves in those moments and pivot and make a change to the environment mm. so that we're not having to go back later and apologize for our behavior.
0: Right. So Jen, you, you alluded to it, but let me ask you to to talk a little bit more about the colors and how you know how you deploy them. They were famous at Three Pillar. <laughs> I can still tell you who was what. You referenced David being a green. <laughs> I'm high orange uh, but but what are what's the basic concept of the colors? Yeah,
1: so you know it's it's a, an assessment that looks at how our brain functions mm-hmm. and so there are four ways and each of us have as you guys know you've been through the training but each of us have the four perspectives in our brain and so there's the logical way which is identify with the color green. there's a relationship way. My, my primary way, which is blue. We have the action way, which is orange, and your second, right, which is brings that passion out. And then we have the organized way, which is the gold. And what happens in our brain is that the logical way and the relationship way typically are opposite ends of the spectrum in our brain. And the action way and the organized way are opposite ends. So as an example, you and I have always tempered each other very well mm-hmm. because we actually are opposite. So we see that we can pull out the things, right, that need to come out in each other, but what we all share is we all three of us have high action. Right. As an example. So we could get each other fired up and we can go and we're willing, you know, to go, go, go. And so understanding that about each other allows us to tap into the best of each other, mm-hmm. but also be there and maybe pull some of those traits that are lower in each of us to make that stronger. And so having that identification in an mm-hmm. in an organization or when I'm working with clients is so that they can better communicate and connect. It's not so much you know let's let's lay down on the couch and let's talk about your personality and everything that's happened <laughs> in the past but it's how do i know myself enough so that i can recognize it in others and then again how can i have that pivot so that i'm making better connections and that we're building trust quickly which you have been so great about having an authentic trust environment always, you know, in all of your offices across the globe, that's been a major focus. And I think you can't get there mm-hmm. if you're not willing to understand yourself and then take the time to understand others.
2: Yeah, one, one of the things I love about the colors that you just talked about is that it doesn't allow personality to become a weapon. Mm-hmm. So often, so many of these personality traits and schemes that we use you're labeling people this or that. Sure. And and the colors seem to kind of diffuse that and provide that vernacular mm-hmm. without having to label somebody as a driver or exactly. a right, yeah, this or right. that.
1: Well, and identity mapping is, yeah. the, the recognition behind identity mapping and the four ways is that all of us have all four ways in our brain. We just only tap a couple of them. So you can't say, hey, you belong in this corner and you belong in this corner because you're so different. No, I actually have the capacity to understand the way you're thinking, because it's inside my brain, I just have to dig a little deeper. Right. And it's when we do that and we make connections. If I am having a debate with <laughs> David DeWolf, I know that I better have my facts ready to go, because <laughs> he's gonna have his ready to go. So if right. we wanna have a great conversation, I can't just say, oh David, you're making me feel this way, because you're a thinker, mm-hmm. and I need to be prepared to, to be on that same playing field with you, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna make progress. And that's right. at the end of the day in business, that's what it's about, we're trying to make progress. Right.
2: right? Undoubtedly, for sure. I'm curious, you've referenced both self-awareness and self-management. Talk to us about the next two phases. Sure.
1: Um, Group awareness Mm -hmm. and then relationship management is the fourth. So until we can really manage our relationships at the highest level possible, where we're really high functioning, high trust, high accountability, Mm -hmm. again, we've had to pass through phases one and two. Mm -hmm. That third is recognizing your peers, Mm -hmm. your groups, your communities, your family units. And so being able to be in a group, we usually say in a group of 12 or more all four ways are gonna be represented. Hmm. So if I'm facilitating a large group, if I'm in a boardroom, I know that I'm dealing with all of the traits, yeah. right? And so I have to adapt my style to pull out the best in all of those things. And so the more that we know about the people that we work with, the group dynamics that we're in, yep. again, the easier we're able to maneuver. So, so many of us, as an example, I have mentioned that I'm high relationship. Mm-hmm. If I am only talking to people from a relationship perspective, let me tell you how people are feeling, let me tell you how you're making me feel, I'm losing out on 75% of my audience because they're probably <laughs> representing one of those other three of the four ways that I talked about. Right. And so if we don't take the time to understand the group, how are we gonna adapt in that group and build relationships? And to me, it's, about, it's not about manipulation. You said that, which I'm, I'm, I'm happy. It's not about trying to manipulate groups to have them think our way. It's about how can we better support our groups because mm. we're taking the time to understand them, mm-hmm. what their needs are. And, you know, human nature has this thing called reciprocation. Mm-hmm. And that means if, if I do something for you, you feel compelled to do something for me. Right. It's just natural human instinct. And so when we make that first leap mm. and we try to connect with someone where their brain is, Mm -hmm. They're naturally going to want to do the same for us. And all of a sudden we've created this environment where relationships are flourishing and people understand each other. And again, it takes the stress, not not stress gone because stress isn't bad, but it takes that connectivity stress, Mm -hmm. that collaboration stress away because we now know how to operate together as a real unified
2: group. One of the core lessons of leadership for me throughout my three pillar journey has been just a continual reminder that leaders go first. Mm-hmm. You talked about just human nature and reciprocality. Um, I have found that that trust that you referenced that is existent throughout all our global offices really comes from first and foremost a level of vulnerability mm-hmm. and authenticity. Being able to show up as who we are and to show that to one another, to be able to share opinions openly, to be able to debate, to disagree, to share hopes and dreams and fears and failures. And so often people think of leaders as the people that always have it right. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the really key things for a leader is to be able to go first yeah. in showing up as their authentic self.
1: Mm-hmm. I right? love
2: that. And, mm-hmm. and with that vulnerability. You'd agree with that.
1: I, I 100% would. I think mm-hmm. if you are not willing to be – vulnerable mm-hmm. then you're still hiding behind something mm. and, and 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 I think people mistake vulnerability with weakness and I don't find that to be true mm-hmm. I think vulnerability matches authenticity and it's not strength versus weakness right it's, a, it's am I willing to show you you're also creating an environment where people are feeling psychologically safe mm. right google did that study years ago about what was the most important thing for teams and it was psychological safety which means I have to be able to take a risk and know you have my back right And you've really done a great job in creating that environment. I don't think, honestly, that you would have grown as much as you have Mm -hmm. if you did not have that opportunity for people to bring ideas to a very strong leader and say, this is where I think we should be going, this is what I think we should be doing. If you immediately said, you're wrong, Mm -hmm. right, or people were trying to express things from their perspective and you weren't willing to sit down and listen, growth stops. And that's going to happen across organizations. It happens across countries. It happens across families. And so, you know, I... I get very passionate in this piece because I feel like if we are not offering ourselves up to people, how can we expect people to work for us
2: as
1: leaders? I think it's an unfair ask if we're not willing to do the same.
2: I love that idea of creating an environment where others can come and challenge the leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the fundamental questions that I always ask whenever I'm doing a final interview for an executive is, are you willing to coach me? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Are you willing to challenge me? Because I find, we talked about this in an earlier episode, there is a lack of leadership today, an authentic, principled leadership in the world. And a lot of people have grown up in environments where they're not allowed to challenge. Sure. Right? Where they're expected to carry out orders, Mm -hmm. not actually help lead. And I think what's critical to an organization at scale is leaders, great leaders. Mm -hmm. And great leaders will lead up, down, and over not just down. And so I want high performing leaders that are willing to come in and tell me I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. right? That's how we grow. That's how we get better. We all have to have that environment. True leadership isn't about authority and a hierarchy. It's about influence and helping to drive to the right answer for all of us. Absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, I get asked often about the younger generations coming into the workplace. And you, you have a lot of young people in the workplace. And You know, it's not about, hey, you know, on day two, you should be challenging the CEO, you know, right away. You know, I don't think that's the messaging. I still think that there's, you have to have enough emotional intelligence and data to know that there's a time and a place. I think there's Mm. a certain maturity that happens in an organization, but the environment has been set. And Mm. I think that's the powerful thing is knowing that that environment is there. So when you are ready and you do have an idea, right? Or a challenge, you're able to do that, right? And I think of all the times In my own leadership journey, if I wasn't willing to hear what people were saying, Mm -hmm. hey, Jen, take a beat. Yep. You know, if I wasn't willing to hear that, Gosh, then how could I expect other people to even take me as a serious leader, especially a, a leadership coach? Right, right, right. We don't have it all figured out. I hope right. I don't. I mean, right. I still have half a life to leave, right? I want to <laughs> I, I be figuring out all the time, right? I don't right. want to think that I've already reached this pinnacle of leadership success and we have it all figured out right. because then I'm expecting nothing to change. And then right. again, then where's the excitement in that? Right.
0: So, Jen, let me jump in and ask you about leadership. I, I feel like a phrase that we hear often is, yeah so and so is a natural born leader hmm. in your experience yeah is there such a thing as a natural born leader
1: gosh you know that's that is a repeat question that i get quite a bit i have to say and my answer typically is no i know that's usually what i say out of the shoot no and then i caveat it a little bit so i do think mm-hmm. that there are traits that certain personalities may have certain people may have grown up being a little bit gregarious they can get People to lead them. Perhaps you played high school sports, and you were the one that got people excited on a team. Mm-hmm. You became a, a leader of that group without being pointed out. Mm-hmm. There are people that are very empathetic naturally, mm-hmm. and so people flock to them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this this flocking that makes people think that that means leadership. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people that regardless of your ways, we talked about identity mapping and the four ways we have all four, and I really believe that leaders need that full perspective. You need to be logical you need to be wise you need to be strategic Mm -hmm. as a leader right you need to be empathetic you need to understand uh, your environments and how people feel about the environments that you're in you have to be willing to understand that there is a plan that's going to get you there you don't have Mm -hmm. to be the executor of the plan but you have to have enough wherewithal to know Mm -hmm. that that is a leadership trait that is important and if you can't do it yourself like that's not something i'm super at you hire people that can. So that perspective mm-hmm. is in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, and lastly, you have to be able to get people fired up. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to be action oriented. You have to be willing to take risks and take your organization in a direction. You have to have all four of those and you have to be able to pull from those. That doesn't mean you operate in all four of those at all times. Mm-hmm. Right. But there is nothing to say because I really believe that emotional intelligence is a skill. Mm-hmm. And so I truly believe that as leaders, we continue to grow and develop in these areas. And Someone is not just going to be born with all of this, right? If you're not willing to develop it, you're really you're gonna be a very temporary leader. I think that's different from a longstanding leader.
2: I think the other thing I would add to that is that too often we have this prototype of what it means to be a leader, and it is about charisma or use the word gregarious. Mm I think there's different types and flavors of leadership and everybody can lead. Leadership is about motivating, inspiring a group of people towards an outcome. And there's different ways to do that and to honor that and respect that and to actually value the different ways to do it. And I'll give you an example. Uh, You know John Bernardi, Mm -hmm. right? John was our CFO for um, several years in a growth phase where we really needed a a leader to come in and to help us to really optimize the profitability of our business. Heather, who you'll meet later in the season, um, was our sales and marketing leader at the time that we hired him and originally didn't want to hire him because he didn't even have his headshot on the LinkedIn profile, right? It was like, what the heck? And He's very much a finance leader, right? Um, And with that, he's not charismatic, not gregorious, but one of the most humble, kind, and authentic people I've ever met in my life. And he had a traumatic impact on the profitability of our business Because he killed people with kindness.
1: Sure. I I can remember being in rooms with him. And he always brought that voice that we needed to hear. Yep. Right? When we were going through something big, he brought a voice that we wouldn't hear if we were just going off of our own leadership capacity, right? And so that's why I think it's not... Everybody is a leader. Everybody has the capacity to be a leader and everybody has something to bring to the table regardless of title. That's right. Right. And so, but it's do, do we set up a room yeah. so that we have that, all those perspectives so that as a leadership team or even as the person that has to make the final decision, you at least have gotten that perspective. Right. Right that you need to hear in order to move forward in the best direction. Undoubtedly. Yeah, John is great though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so David, let me ask you a question about, you know, about your growth and evolution as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we talked with Bobby about, you know, how you have, how you've grown along with Three Pillar. What do you see as the next kind of phase or next step in your evolution?
2: The next phase? Well, yeah. you know, one of the things, one of the staple lessons that I learned um, at the very beginning from Michael Deering, one of my very first mentors, one of my board members, um, was about the art of delegation and how the hardest thing for an entrepreneur to do is to let go and to delegate. Mm -hmm. And with Bobby, we talked about how the same principles and lessons apply at each one of these phases, but you have to do them at the next level and the next level and the next level. And so one of the things that I'm focused on really right now because we've just gone through a couple of inflection points that are really important is making sure that I exercise those muscles yet again and once again let go of the things I should not be doing and empower and entrust people to do that to get to the next level of scale because I have to operate at the next level of abstraction Um, and that's really critical. And so really for me it feels like right now that and really focusing exclusively at what I'm uniquely qualified to do, what I'm great at. There's three things I spend my time on. Number one is team and culture development. Third of my time goes through there. Number two is vision and strategy, seeing where we're going and making sure everybody knows this is how we're going to get there and championing that. And then number three, being in the market. And that means I need to get rid of the things that I'm not great at, which is I'm not a hardcore operator. You don't want me running a machine, right? <laughs> I can design that machine. I've got great ideas on how to optimize it, but you don't want me running it, right? And so once again, getting out of the things that I'm not great at and doing it at the next level of scale is really what I'm working on right now.
1: I love that you said use the word muscle. <laughs> Talk about The word muscle, you know, and, it, and it's very interesting because when we think about our muscles and what mm-hmm. we realize, we tend to think of our, you know, our physical body. We went for a run. You know, I worked out four days this week. I need to have a rest day. Yep. Right. In order for us, if you're thinking about professional athletes, as an example, to get to the next level, they have to enforce that rest day.
0: Mm-hmm. They have
1: to be willing to exercise those muscles and then rest those muscles. If if founders and CEOs and top leaders Are always on the go if they don't take that time to delegate like you said Mm -hmm. and give their brain muscle a rest Mm -hmm. they actually don't have enough capacity to have those big ideas and to see them through and so I just love that you use that word muscle and I would encourage people to just think about are you giving your muscle a rest you know in your brain and so that from an emotional standpoint and from an intellectual standpoint so that you can take it to the next level when the time is coming
2: so
0: true well I I like the reference of Four workout days and then a rest day. This is the fourth episode of the podcast. If anybody has binged the first four episodes and not just stopped to take a deep breath and have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or do whatever you do, now' would be a good time to do that. <laughs> uh, but Jennifer, thank you very much for joining us today. Great to have you with us talking about all things, uh, evolution and and uh, introspection and wherewithal in colors. Um, uh, you know as, as a blue. Uh, we look forward to, to breaking bread with you later today. Uh, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for being
2: here. This right. is so much fun.
0: Well, a big thanks to Jennifer Stanford for joining us today. And thank you for joining us today. Tune into the next episode of The Evolving Leader to hear what will be the first in a series of five lessons that all evolving leaders should take to heart. For episode five, we'll be talking with Alan Stein Jr. about why getting the fundamentals right is a mandatory first step for any leader looking to take his or her game to the next level. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of The Evolving Leader. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating, a glowing review, and a share on whichever social media networks you call home. For more on the podcast and to view video of each episode, please visit daviddowulf.com podcast.